Good morning and welcome to Faith FM. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Um, sunny day, you're with me and... Sven. Awesome. How are you feeling this morning? I'm really, really good. It's a nice sunny day to be with you. Oh, I'm so happy. Mm. What are you, is there anything you're grateful for today? Um, I, I'm grateful for another day. And that, that sounds very cliche, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It can be sincere as well. Mm. And, a, and a good night's rest, that was good as well. That's mm. always good. Mm. Yesterday, I got the idea in my head that I was going to go for a little little run. I haven't been like running in about a year and a half. <laughs> and, so like, it was heavy going. Oh, it was okay. I was like, I probably did. Oh, I mean, it was slow. Like I did about 4K in half an hour. But this morning, I was like a little bit – I broke my ankle a couple of years ago. And so this morning, I was simultaneously like, man, thank you, Jesus, that my body can move and I can do things. And also like, oh. <laughs> Were you a bit stiff? I was actually right because when I got home, I stretched a fair bit. Nice. I um, was doing some uni work, but um, yeah, no, it was good. Very good. Um, but no, I'm very thankful that it's sunny because we we had rain for ages, and I mean, the, if you guys are listening often on radio, you know that I'm trying to grow a veggie garden with some success and some not success. And there was just a bit too much rain. I planted some new seedlings a while ago, and I was like, yeah, brilliant rain, and then it just rained. And rained and rained. And I was like, I was like, look, praise the Lord because the farmers need it. Like, it's I do know rain is a good thing. I know seasons are a good thing. My little seasons. So, what are you growing in your garden? That's that's the big question. Oh, oh look, <laughs> I give a bit of everything a go. I, I'm trying to grow some lettuce and tomatoes. I had some amazing snow peas, but they're kind of coming to an end. Um, mm. My silver beets going pretty good. My parsley is just going hard out. You know what's really, really good? Fresh corn from the garden. Oh, mm, yes. It tastes really amazing. So, oh, absolutely. Have you got it in your garden? No, I think it grows better over winter. I've heard. Okay. That could be a lie. Okay. I could just not be a great gardener. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, Sven, tell us some positive positive news for the day. I've got some amazing, amazing news for you. And the first story actually comes from Brazil. Would you believe Brilliant. it? So when you think of Brazil, you, you normally think of soccer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, surfing, um, carnival and all those kind of things. What what you don't necessarily think of is classical music. So, wasn't my first thought. You're it, right. It wasn't my first thought either. <laughs> but what I found is uh, that there's a there's a old retired pianist, a, a piano player mm-hmm. who is in Brazil, and um, he played in Carnegie Hall. He played in in London. He played all of the plays. Amazing, amazing pianist, and you can actually. Um, go to YouTube and, and listen to some of his concerts. The problem was this, uh, that he had a number of accidents oh. and he also um, had a degenerative disease which, which affected his hands. Mm. Now, if you're a musician... That's hard, yeah. You need your hands. Yeah, that's you your really life. You really do. You really do. So, um, And so it got to the point where he had to transition off the piano as a concert pianist and he, he had to go to being a conductor where, where you could just wave your hands but without the sort of, the, you know, fiddly little bits kind of mm. thing. Um, and then, uh, so, so he hasn't been playing for years. He's 80 years old. And what's happened is there was an engineer, an industrial engineer, who heard about this and thought, I really want to help him out. I, I want to, to give him a hand. Uh, literally. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Brilliant. And, 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 and what he did is he designed these gloves um, which would help him out. So what would happen is when, when this um, pianist, this guy, um, he'd go to play the piano, his fingers would go down on the keys, 
but he couldn't lift his fingers up. He oh. didn't have the, the strength or the, the, the motor skills, shall I say, Mm-mm. to lift his fingers up. So what the engineer did is he designed these gloves, which is when the, when the pianist would, would um, hit the key, um, it then would have a spring which would bring the, the fingers up so he could play another note. Amazing. And so he so he is he's starting to learn to play the piano again. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Imagine how good that would feel. It would be amazing. amazing. And and it's interesting, the engineer, you, you know, you can go on, on um, the news, you can go on YouTube as well. And the engineer thought, I'm just going to do something nice for somebody. I'm going to give them a gift. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he, he designed it for, for this pianist and, and, and gave it to him. And what he didn't realize was that everybody would be so excited about it, be so interested in this story. Mm-hmm. And, and so I guess it really highlights the fact that, you know, sometimes we can do things which we think, oh, I'll just do this for somebody. Uh-huh. And then it has so much impact, not only on their lives, but, but also on the, the lives of people around who are just inspired by. Mm. by it. So I, I just thought it was amazing because I like music it's amazing, too. Amazing, yeah. And um, it'd be great to hear him play. I'd love to, uh, I mean, I don't think I'll get to go to Brazil or New York to hear him play <laughs> his next concert, but I'd love to see the YouTube uh, video Absolutely. of him getting back on the piano at 80 years old. That's so good. Mm. And I love too that, yeah, there are people who go, hmm, there's a person. I could help them. How could I help them? Yes. Like, I don't have the science in mind to just know how even to make that sort of technology. But I love that there are people who do and they yeah. make it happen. Because because often we, we look at these problems in life. And I guess this is a good example as well. We look at the problems. We say, you know, this is here's a concert pianist mm. who has lost the ability to use his hands. And we go like, we just have to accept it and give in. Mm, you know what I mean? Totally, yeah. And, and, and yet this engineer, this problem-solving you know, thinker and, and practical person, shall I say, um, saw it and he saw not only the problem but a solution. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's what we need to do in life. Yes. So, there we go, pep talk for the morning. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Let's go and do it. Let's solve the world. Absolutely. <laughs> no, no, that's so good. So what else do you have for us? That's okay. an amazing story. Okay, so, so we're going to go from music mm-hmm. uh, to cosmology, the other – the Ooh. other place I love to go as well. Brilliant. So what happened with um, uh, cosmology is that they have recently found uh, that um, they, they went to Stephen Hawking. So Stephen Hawking was a professor at um, Cambridge University. He also had uh, disabilities. He couldn't um, uh, really talk or communicate very, very well at all um, because of his degenerative disease as well. Mm. But, but there was um, engineers who designed computers and he could have that really you know, famous computerized voice. Uh, but one of the things that Stephen Hawking uh, discovered was a particular um, uh, feature of black holes. Okay. Now, now, normally with black holes, we we understand that you know uh, they attract everything. They even attract light. So they're kind of like this sinkhole in space. Mm. And, and then the, the, the big sort of question is what happens if you fall in? What happens if you go into the, uh, a black hole? And the idea was it was almost like that once you're in, you're in and you're, that's it. That's it. Mm-hmm. But what these um, cosmologists have discovered is that there is a way that you do actually come out on the other side. That there's, uh, you, can, you can fall into a black hole. So information will go into a black hole. Mm-hmm. 
And um, the black hole will actually scramble it all up and, and encrypt it, but it will, it will actually come out the other side. So so there's a way to go through a black hole. Now, I know that that sounds pretty kind no, that's of interesting. mind yeah, uh, yeah. spinny kind of thing. Yeah. And look, I'd have to be honest, Minnie, I'm, I'm not planning my next holiday <laughs> to a black hole to test out this theory. Brilliant. But it is good to know that if you do get stuck in a black you hole, can God, you can get out. Do they, is there like a formula that they've worked out for not like, can they predict where you might go out, or is it just somewhere? They know that somewhere. The the the, the, the formulas, the the models say that you come out somewhere. Yeah, okay. <laughs> fantastic. You know, there's this idea of wormholes, and and so you you end up in another part of space or whatever, uh, which is all very kind of mind you know, mind boggling as well. But it's kind of cool. It's kind of fun. It's so it's cool. just sort of ideas to play around with. So it's good news in the cosmology sphere. Oh, I think, and I think the atmosphere and like universe out there is so fascinating it is like we know a lot but mm. we don't know more you know like <laughs> and, and the incredible thing many is this is that the universe is one of the biggest evidences for the existence of god 100 percent. because you know you know you look out at space you go out to the country on a on a really dark night well it's always dark in in the country yeah because there's no town lights but but that's the brilliant thing it's not that it's just dark but you look up and you see the stars it's incredible and if you look at even oh just not modern history really every ancient civilization connected spirituality in some way to yes. the stars yes do you know what i mean like it's there's there's something about that big vast natural world of out there yes. that people know that oh there's something bigger than just us yes and what the universe does is it points beyond itself mm, to a creator totally and our creator as well which is truly incredible yeah it's so good mm. um oh no those are great stories oh yeah mm. i'll also have to check out that brazilian Concert pianist. Yes. Eddie Roll. That's awesome. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okie dokie. So, as I said, I'm going to tell you some stories about, um, well, I'll tell you a story about some doctors who are now encouraging and even doing some research into the benefits of exercise for cancer patients. Also suggesting that patients should have more subsidized access for freely accessible rehab. I am, I don't know how much this is talked about, but I remember when I was in high school, I had quite a good friend who was had pretty severe cancer and she was told kind of don't do a lot of things because um, I guess the more your blood moves around, the more it can spread the cancer, um, which, you know, fair enough to be like, okay, well, if it's going to be a problem, don't do yes. it. Um, but yeah, what they're saying now is, well, actually, hold on. Maybe that's not entirely true. Um, so there are two people, two women who – have been through cancer treatment, Donna Moclair and Siobhan O'Toole. I think that's correct. It's an Irish name, so the spelling's a little bit off. <laughs> Apologies if it's not right. Um, but, yeah, so they are two seasoned swimmers, and they believe their personal exercise of swimming um, during their treatment has helped them. Um, so for Siobhan, she was treated and involved in a trial at Sydney St. Vincent's Hospital. Um, she had breast cancer, and it you at the hospital they used exercise um, to better cope with the cancer treatment as just part of a trial that they were doing, um, looking at the results. And she said it not only gave her something to control, so something she can achieve every day. Yes, I've gone out for my swim. I've, you know, And I think that's a lot of people say that about um, exercising. It's yes. like, okay, I've had one productive thing today yes. um, and that can just be great for your um, headspace. But she, she also believes that it helped her body be able to deal with the chemo because, you know, a lot of people who are going through treatments can get quite ill 
and tired and fatigued and your body is already suffering a whole whole lot through all of that ordeal. And you could really build up your immune system. Exactly. So, so you're, you're strengthened fighting, um, you know, cancer, but also other, you know, illnesses as well. Uh, so it's an all round, you know, I understand that, um, if you exercise regularly, it actually has more health benefits uh, than if you stop smoking. Which is crazy, isn't Which it? It is crazy. Yeah. It is really crazy. And and of course, the thing is, you don't want to say, well, I exercise a lot, therefore I can, you know, smoke like a mm. chimney or be a chain smoker. But but I guess the point is this, is that we, we sometimes forget the, the incredible benefits of the exercise. It's just, you know, it seems such, you know, ordinary mundane sort of like we have to get out there and yeah. put on the runners <laughs> or, or whatever. Mm. But the health benefits are you know, incredible. We really need to get out there and exercise. Oh yeah. We're definitely made to move. Hey, we are. And yeah. And so there's one, uh, guy, Jonathan, a doctor, Jonathan Herald, he is a surgeon at the hospital and he says that he sees how much quicker patients recover when they've been through this structured exercise. And that's kind of also to do with other, um, you know, treatments as well. The same as, you know, yeah, you break, you break something in your body, if you can start moving, start moving. It. within exactly. reason, within reason, not mm. <laughs> I've broken all my bodies. So I'm going to go for a run. No, yeah. but um, yeah, he just finds it in general. Uh, and a recent study has shown that women who engage in exercise regularly before diagnosis and after treatment are 40% less likely to relapse or die from it, which is a pretty significant amount, like 40%. I'd, I'd take that if I knew that there was something going on. Um, but the clinical oncology society of Australia recommends 150 minutes of moderate intensity or 75 minutes of vigorous intensity um, each week as part of treatment. So how much would that be per day? It's so not actually that much. Mm. Like 150 That's of moderate. two hours per week? A week, yeah. So you mm. break that down. So you it's like 20 minutes, not yeah, even every day. Every mm. three times a week. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, so it's not a lot, but it's you get the benefits are amazing. Look, the other thing I'm wondering about as well is what about the the positive effects on your mood and emotions? Absolutely. In terms of your endorphins and, and things like that. So so you're having a more um, an attitude where you say, look, I could recover from, mm-hmm. from cancer. I could recover from, from this, this injury, whatever. And uh, it can really help you out. It can be a real blessing. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, basically um, – as I said, for Siobhan and Donna, they have seen this, the benefit in their own lives, in their treatment, in their journey with cancer. And so they've joined forces with um, Dr. Harold to produce The Exercise Prescription, which is a book that they're, they're coming out with. And it's just drawing on the latest research into the benefits of exercise, which, as you said, we're seeing more and more. It's funny. It's only been really recent history that people haven't been moving. Right, yes, so, sitting, sitting <laughs> so it's in really, studios, you know. Yeah, it's only kind of recently that we've had to do the research that is coming out. But anyway, that's an awesome story, and um, all the proceeds for that book are going to go into an exercise rehab clinic for public cancer patients at Sydney's St Vincent's Hospital. Well, it's really interesting. It reminds us of the the benefits of lifestyle medicine, which is a huge and growing field. Yeah, which is not um, basically that we address illnesses and and you know, health issues, not by pharmaceutical, but by medicines and pills. Yeah. But we actually proactively do it in terms of our lifestyle, in terms of diet, in terms of exercise, mm. uh, in terms of, you know, what we drink, what we think about as well. It's it's very positive news. It's very encouraging. Absolutely. Um, in other news, um, Sayeb Erekat, um, he's a prominent Palestinian peace negotiator 
an international spokesman. He's just died and it's been just only weeks after he tested positive for coronavirus. Um, So he's 65 years old and he has been in kind of this arena for more than three decades, esteemed as a Palestinian negotiator and leader. Um, Mr. Erekat was one of the most passionate and experienced advocates um, of the Palestinian um, cause, I guess I'd say, you know, like there's been a whole really drama since oh mm. what the 1950s or something between yes. the palestine israeli territory who's in charge authority um a lot of hurt on both sides um and a lot of it goes back to this this misunderstanding that the bible predicts that mm. the, the temple needs to be rebuilt in jerusalem and yet i know that's a huge issue uh, topic <laughs> yeah that's a whole, a other, whole yeah. can of worms, but but that's yeah. really important so um, and, and we're not here to resolve the Israeli-Palestinian issue. No, but no. certainly it's, it's something which has been going on for, what, 70 years now? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And The other thing, talking about COVID-19, did you know that Ben Carson, Dr. Ben Carson, was diagnosed with COVID I uh, just see a that. couple of days ago? Yes. I didn't realise it was that recent. Because he was going to uh, the, the Republican, the Trump, uh, you know, political rallies right. uh, without a mask like everyone else. So, yeah, I guess you get it if you do that. Interesting. I did. I saw that recently. I didn't know it was actual recent. I thought I was just seeing news late because I don't I think stay it was on top of one it. or two days ago. Okay. So yeah. Oh, that's good to know. But yeah, so he he's just passed away, and um, a really interesting story though. I do think, like you said, we're not here to resolve all the issues, but it is something that um, actually we're often quite um, separate from. Like it's it's not at the forefront of our mind because it doesn't really affect us. I've heard far more about the U.S. elections than many yes. other things or COVID this year. It's, one of those things. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And now it's Wednesday, which means we have David Haupt on the line. Um, hey, David, how are you going? Good morning and good morning to your listeners. Um, it's good to have good you. Good to be back with you. Good to be back with your people. Yeah. So you and Lyle, the past few weeks, have been talking about men and relationships and um, father figs and all those fun things. Today we're talking about, I believe you're going to tell us about <clears throat> um, women in abusive relationships, kind of how they get there and why they stay in them. I'm so glad that it's a female that's uh, interviewing me this morning and not Lyle and myself. You know, just two men. It's so easy men to to just talk about uh, women, but um, luckily you can straighten us out this morning. <laughs> Look, we'll um, give it a go. <laughs> I, I guess there are three basic reasons why women get involved in uh in abusive relationships and it's crucial before we talk why they stay there it's crucial that we understand the motivation behind why they get involved there the the first one is that um, most women that that get involved in abusive relationships actually grew up in abusive relationship in other words their fathers were abusive and uh, we would think that you know why would she then choose a similar husband if um, if she saw the pain and the heartache that that father mother father daughter relationship was abusive relationship? Well, that is the only relationship that she feels safe in because that's the only relationship that she knows. Mm. And although she felt that she'd never marry a man like that, here is a challenge for fathers that their daughters will often choose a husband which is very similar to what they are. A major responsibility that lies on a father's shoulders. 
to uh, to prepare his daughter for her future. The second reason is uh, what I call a savior sy- syndrome. Um, God originally designed women um, to be a helpmate to to their spouse. In other words, women have a desire to help their husbands to live up to a higher standard. And um, often in marriage, marriages, conflict will arise because uh, a wife starts to mother her husband. But uh, she she believes that she can change him. And therefore she stays and, and gets involved because she sees qualities in him. The third one I alluded to in a previous uh, discussion with Lowe, and that was the infatuation addiction. In other words, what I mean by that is when two people fall in love, they have, they are drawn their interest to each other through an infatuation. And abusive men has a tendency to overpower um, the female with, um, you know, all the love and all the right words. And uh, she falls in love with that feeling that she feels. Uh, but that is often the basis uh, of, of marital unhappiness and as well as breakups because some couples eventually keeps on chasing that feeling. And um, if a love relationship stays with infatuation, it never is a mature relationship. But those three basic things, uh, believing that he will change uh, because of the infatuation that she's experienced, uh, are often the things that uh, gets them started in an abusive relationship. Hmm. So I guess a question I have then, which you're probably going to speak into anyway, um, when women stay in these relationships is... Like how much of it is that they just don't see that it's abusive? What you were talking about um, just now with the infatuation thing, is it that they just don't even see that it's starting to become abusive or like does it swap between any of those three things? Like, okay, I didn't even see it, but now that I do, it goes into that savvy thing and so now I want to help you. Like how much is their crossover? Does that make sense? Like what? why do they say basically is what I'm asking. Sure. Many, um, it's interesting what research shows us uh, in interviews with women that's gone through major abusive relationships. Most of that, that those women uh, will tell you that they saw the danger signs, they saw the red flags, but they believed that they could have changed their husband to become a better person. Wow. And therefore they stayed. They wow. knew the danger. That believe that their love would change them. Now, research primarily looks at eight to 11 reasons why a woman would stay in that relationship. And uh, each one of those we can spend a whole session on and we don't have the time for that. So I'll, I'll just quickly move through them and, and please feel free to stop me to expand a little bit yeah. on some of those. The, the first one is um, distorted thoughts. Now, Hurt is traumatic. Mm. And when a woman eventually are being abused in a marital relationship, she is placed in a level of trauma, which immediately creates self-doubt and self-blame. You will often find that an abusive husband will say to his wife that if you were different, if you were just changed, then I would not be the way that I am. You are the reason why I am the way that I am. You know what? 
that is a distortion and that's a lie because no one can make me angry. No one can really make me to do certain things. I choose to do it. And I'm going to give you an illustration. Let's say that my wife and I have a bit of a tiff, a bit of tension between us. And in the middle of that, her mother phones and she hasn't spoken to her mom. She grabs the phone, picks it up and she says, hi, mom. No, everything is well between us, thank you. No, it's going well here. Yeah, yeah. Is she lying or has she just chose, chosen to change her focus? Hmm. The, the latter is the truth. So we actually choose how we're going to react. Um, so there's a distortion in terms of thoughts that often causes a, a wife to stay. The second one is a damaged self-worth. Often uh, an, an, an abusive husband praise on this because he says uh, no one else would love you anyway and she believes it because she do not believe in her intrinsic value remember that our value is never spoken by another person except by our creator god he's the only one that really can speak our worth and our value the third one is fear um Doug, i was just going to ask you really quick um just one thing yeah just on those first two, do you find in your work and study and whatever, is is it more males than females who would make those comments? Like as a general rule, obviously, I, I know that it's not going to be the case for every time, but when you say, you know, like the, you know, that abusive partner might be like, you know, you're worthless, no one will love you anyway, and then the woman might believe that. Is that often generally women will listen to that and believe about themselves more than men will, or is it just... It's just a pattern in abusive relationships doesn't matter, kind of who's saying it to. I, I think the pattern lies in uh, the the damaged self-worth that you come into a relationship with. So it is very, uh, very much there for males as well, mm. that they would believe that distorted uh, words that a partner will speak. And uh, most probably next week, Lyle and I, or if you going to be the one interviewing me, it would be good for us to talk about uh, why why men, how does men experience abuse in the relationship? Mm. Because this is often an area that no one talks about because of the level of intense shame when a husband experiences abuse, often emotional, often sexual abuse, often even physical abuse. And uh, because of the male uh, dominance in our society when a male is abused, they just don't speak out on it. Mm. Uh, we, we, we so often talk about uh, women that's been abused, yes. uh, but we never really talk about the male that's in an abusive relationship. So, shall we leave that for, for yeah, next Yeah, 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 we'll leave that for another time, but I'm um, looking but, forward to hearing about it. <laughs> answering your question, though, it really stems from the uh, the emotional maturity that I enter into a relationship with. If I come in as a broken person, the potential is far greater for me to be able to respond and hear those words uh, spoken to me and respond to it mm. accordingly. Yeah, awesome. Sorry, uh, you can get keep going with you. I think you're up to number three. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, uh, number three was was fear. Uh, the fear of bodily and emotional harm is is powerful fears, and often a wife will stay in that abusive relationship out of the fear of what her husband will do if she would leave. 
Um, I, I just recently worked with a couple where the husband threatened that uh, he will actually come after, he will find her wherever she might be hiding. And, and uh, his response will be very punitive. Number four is wanting to be a savior. Now, we've spoken a little bit about that already, but in essence, it is the belief that her love is strong enough to be able to change him. We have no ability to change another person. We can only change ourselves. Mm. So once again, this belief is built on a distortion. And in a caring, loving relationship, whether we come into that relationship as whole uh, beings or broken people, we need to recognize there's only one level that I can work on, and that is myself. Um, we are now number five. Uh, many women stay in abusive relationships for the sake of children. Mm fearing that if she would leave, that the children will actually be more harshly treated than herself. So they stay. They actually sacrifice themselves in order to protect their, their children. The sad thing, Minnie, is that um, in the process, the children carry the scarring. And this is where epigenetics comes in. Uh, the Bible talks about, and we've spoken a number of times about epigenetics on this program, where the environment in which I grow up actually switches on or off certain genetical switches on my gene coding. In, and it, it impacts it in the way that it will express it. So a child that grows up in an abusive home will, I would, will have between 30 to 50% chance to either become an abuser themselves or marry someone who is an abuser, except if an intervention is made. Yeah, so that's, that's really significant, isn't it? Like that's just a vicious cycle that can keep going. Exactly. And you, the Bible talks about you the third and the fourth generation of those that hate him. And this is where the, the cycle can be broken, where people actually find their worth and value in God and steps out of that relationship and says, I haven't stopped loving you, but there's certain conditions under which I can stay in this home. And that is if our relationship is governed by love and, and mutual respect for each other. Uh, the sixth point why women stay is that family expectations and experiences. Um, in other words, they, they have found someone like dad. Um, Mum stayed for our sake and therefore I need to follow that same pattern. There's an expectation that this marriage has to work and for the kids' sake and for, in actual fact, the way that society will look in on us, I'm going to stay. And um, sad in Australia, and this is where our whole conversation started, those women often stay and family suicide murder takes place in those family homes. Mm. The seventh one is financial constraints. Abusive husbands will say, if you leave up, if you leave, you will get not a cent. You will get nothing. Uh, and I will not support you to be, to be able to get back onto your own feet. So he actually 
disconnects her from the bank account. He, he, he makes sure that she believes that she will walk out just with the clothing on, on her body. Mm. So that's lo- it with nothing further. A lot of control there that's happening. Yeah. Um, David, that's, yeah. I know there's a few more points that you have to get through. Um, unfortunately, we've run out of time, but that was, that was really good um, just to hear. And, and I think, yeah, it is something that we don't hear a lot about. Um, so it's nice to have your wisdom. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.